0: Today on the Button Up Podcast, we have Robin James from Man For Himself, excited to hear your story, know a little bit about it from Instagram, and have been following YouTube for a while. But uh, I know you're in London now, but I'm excited to hear how you've become the YouTuber that you are today.
1: Yeah, thanks very much for having me. I'm excited to be on this. Uh, It's nice to, I mean, it's weird, obviously, we've just got audio here, but I'm seeing your faces on Skype, so it's, it's nice that we're all dotted around the world. But yeah, I'm in London. I am um, I am actually Scottish, you might be able to hear that in my voice, but I've been in London for nine years and this is now, I mean, I'm, I'm talking to you guys from my studio where I record my record my YouTube videos and where I do write out whatever I've got going on on the blog. But um, I've done this full-time now for three years, so YouTube is my full-time gig. Quite often have people in the comments saying, oh, your videos look so professional, maybe you should do this full-time. And it's kind of like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I should <laughs> yeah, a try idea. that one. Think um, about it. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, I, Yeah, I'll, I'll give it, a, give it a second thought. Um, but yeah, so this is this has been me here for three years. But I've had the the channel man from self for for six years. Um, well, actually, when I started it, it was called the utter gutter, um, which was like it was a it was a hobby which has now turned into a full time gig. Um, but it was really me seeing an opportunity and I'm in the men's space, a sort of passion project that I had to look at styling, and grooming and to kind of just like mess with products and get a bit dressed up and create some videos, which I thought were amazing, but looking back are, are quite cringe. But I think we all have that sort of the evolution of what we do and, and sort of make those, it's not necessarily mistakes. It's, it's an evolution, but, um, my, I got into it because my background is actually in TV. So I, I worked in TV, um, for six years for uh, some of the biggest sort of channels across here in the UK. So I started with Channel 4, which is um, one of the sort of big four in the UK. And then I went to Sky, um, Sky Living, which was sort of doing red carpet reporting and premieres um, and then also doing some uh, sort of digital production. So I was kind of across reporting, shooting, editing, but also kind of the production behind it. And then I finished up at ITV, which is the big commercial one um and kind of got to do lots of different things in creating content for some sort of big shows like X Factor, uh Dancing on Ice, which is this show where they put like Z rate celebrities on skates and see how long they can stay up. So that was fun. Um but I kind of got to a point that I was like I'm I'm not really into this anymore and I and I kind of wanted to see if I could make this Man for himself something which was like commercially viable. So yeah, I jumped ship, and then in the first two uh, two months of doing it, I earned two hundred pounds, and I was like, "Yeah, that's, that's not really what I expected here." So, I was out on the street, and I was a rent boy for six years, and then no, I um, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just, I just thought, no, this is going to be a thing, so I just, I kept on playing on. But yeah, this is me now, kind of settled. Uh, the new office, as I was saying to you guys before we started on this, um, is like is expensive, and I'm thinking. Okay, what what am I doing? I think it's it's exciting when you kind of have to be like really on your A game and look to sort of change things up. And you know, you go through moments of being in favor of an audience, and it seems like people love you. And then you have a moment of like, ah, oh God, yeah, okay, I'm kind of I'm not I'm not the one that they want. Um, so it just it makes you think differently, I think, about content. But I've kind of I've kind of jumped around, given a bit of a CV. But I am um, after, uni- um, after university after school, I studied um, in Glasgow. Um, on the west coast of Scotland. I'm originally from the northeast near Inverness. Uh, so if you know the Loch Ness monster, he was my neighbour. Um, I know <laughs> him pretty well. Uh, but I, I grew up there, and then I moved to, yeah, I moved to Glasgow, and I spent four years there studying politics and history. And then I did broadcast journalism in my um, in my postgrads, so really doing shooting, editing, reporting uh, for radio and TV. And then it took me into TV. Yeah. Now I'm now I'm here talking to you guys.
0: So is was the politics is what that kind of led you into the interest in journalism Like what what sparked kind of the video bug because I feel like that takes a certain it takes a certain mindset
1: Yeah, um, that is a that's a good question. I am um, I think Like I was always I did sort of student radio and I was kind of into just being a bit of an exhibitionist and Forcing people to listen and look at me um, and I thought it would be quite cool if I could actually get you know paid for that as a job but I am um, with politics and history, I wanted to go more into politics and go into hard news. So basically doing stuff in newsrooms. And a lot of the people I studied with all went into that. Um, but as it happens, you know, when you finish your, your education and you kind of apply for loads of jobs and it was the, it was the recession. And, uh, I was like, Oh God, I, this is like the worst time to be getting my first job. So I had You know, applied for my postgrad, and then afterwards, it was still a bit like hairy about what was going on. So, I applied for all these different jobs, and the first one actually that I got was in reality TV. And I'd always said like, I'd never do this, and I don't want to do entertainment TV. And then uh, I ended up doing it, and actually really enjoying it. So I kind of fell into it. But but I'm like the skills that I learned in sort of how to operate a camera and how to create a story is exactly what I do day to day. So. I'm definitely seeing that money that was spent on the course being used or that's kind of what I tell my parents, yeah.
2: (laughs) Were you, when you were uh, working in like more traditional jobs, were you already into like fashion and grooming and everything? Has that been like a lifelong kind of interest?
1: Yeah, like I've always been interested in it and um, especially like, like grooming products and sort of messing around with stuff and I remember when I was like 14 at school, at lunchtime, I'd go up up the high street and you'd like you'd get your lunch but then i would also go into boots which is the high street store here, and kind of like buy all these really super cheap products and then come back and in chemistry i would sit at the back and just mess around with hair product which is probably actually still a type of chemistry but not really what i should have been doing um and then the whole style thing i was just really like i've had quite a personal style evolution and then some of my outfits from like when i was at university have been pretty questionable and i had like bleach blonde hair like white skinny jeans everything was just like it was all a bit much um but yeah i'm like i'm not so interested in um like trends so much like i'm i'm i think also the older i get the less bothered i am by that but i'm interested in like personal style and understanding what suits you and what makes you feel good um and then obviously more of the conversation around the quality of clothing that we buy and where we buy them from so yeah it's always been an interest but i think i mean you guys know the more that you write about something or the more you talk about something the more you kind of become involved in it
2: Mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's definitely uh that's kind of how i feel too like when i first got into it i mean i still don't really consider myself like a super expert but like the more you get into it the more you kind of um i don't know learn about and it almost kind of stokes the fire a little bit you know did did you see like a void in the, like the men's YouTube lifestyle fashion world when you started, or did you see some channels that you that you already followed and you kind of wanted to do the same thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I uh, I actually when I started, I considered doing like women's stuff and looking at women's fashion and beauty because a lot of the things that I did in my job was at women's fashion weeks and doing backstage. Um, sort of like filming of the looks, so like the beauty looks and then the styling. So it was that was kind of the world that I knew. But in my own sort of personal interest, I was interested in what I could do for myself. So it was kind of like fusing an interest in that space plus me wanting to kind of like just play around with things. And I would, I mean, people say, oh, did you know that this would be a full-time job? And I'd kind of be lying if I said I, I didn't, I didn't think it would be because I like had my eyes on it and I thought, you know, people are doing this. I'd love to be able to do that. I'm prepared to work for it. Um, and it was, like it's, it was a void and it still kind of is, you know, the whole men's grooming and men's sort of lifestyle space is evolving but I don't think there's that many, I mean, there are some, like you guys included, there's some guys that are really sort of nailing it and of quality and are credible but there's still quite, a, like there's still quite extremes. I don't, there's not that many guys doing it well, I think.
0: Yeah, because I remember coming across you. I think you had the mustache at the time. It was like fourteen, yeah. fifteen. And when I was starting my channel, I also saw a void. But when you started, it would have been like Aaron Marino, uh, mm. probably Antonio, a little bit of Jose. But then, like you, it would have been like a handful of guys. They could have you could have fit everybody in your studio easily. Yeah. And so like, yeah, there's definitely and yeah, it's it's changed a lot in the past four years but compared to the women's space it still feels so new
1: yeah and it's interesting because those guys are like they're huge you know they're like they've got millions of uh followers and they're you know clearly making a lot of money doing things and it's great because i i think about our space that we're in we are each publications and we're each brands so i think it's especially for me doing it this for this amount of time, you get quite caught up in numbers and you think, why don't I have a million and why don't I have this? And this video didn't do this. But it's like, I i often think, you know, in the UK, we've got the Daily Mail, which is a mass website, really primarily, that's their commercial model. And it's full of celeb stuff and salacious stuff and tabloid, and they get huge hits. Whereas you could have something which is maybe, a li- I mean, I'm not, this nice sense like I'm slating other people, but you you have other people who might be doing stuff which is a little bit more niche or stuff which requires more production or so I think there's a space for everyone, but I'm now at a point where I just like forget. I mean, I don't forget about the numbers because obviously to brands, that is what is attractive and that's what allows you to live. Um but I think just sort of staying in your own lane and keeping your head down and just kind of doing what suits you and your audience. Um but it's interesting because you see new guys coming in and I'm. I often get a bit frustrated when someone says, "Like, what? How do I? How do I do it? Like, what do I need to do? How do I get what you've got?" And I'm like, "You just need to start it. Like, it, you shouldn't be thinking of it as like a formula." Because, like my first videos, I'd already worked in TV, and I thought these videos were like the best thing ever. But they're actually they're like shit. But the thing is, you've got to start from something, and and do it. Otherwise, otherwise for for an audience, it's it's not authentic, and that's such an awful word to say, but it, it's not because you've come straight in, but you need to have this evolution. And also, with what we do is so personal. Like We know the people that comment the most, and we talk to them, and we've got this relationship with them. So, it's so important to nurture that and not to come straight in and be this huge powerhouse.
2: Yeah. I, w- one of the first videos I saw from you, I believe it was a brand battle. Um, it might have been an honest review. I, th- I think it was a brand battle. And The production quality, I was struck by the production quality because, you know, YouTube is very low barrier to entry, so I'd say 99% of it is, like, pretty bad production quality or, or, you know, homemade. And yours, like, there was graphics on the screen, you clearly had, like, a little bit of a script, like, it was just very well done. You had B-roll, and was that, like, a conscious, like, going into it? Maybe it was your TV background, but did you say, I want to have a channel that, that is a little more highly produced and polished?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you're saying about my production value because I, I'm sat here with in an echoey studio with the worst production in this, and you guys have got your like professional mics. So, people <laughs> listening, if they don't know who I am, will you thinking who is this joker? Um, but uh, yeah, it was kind of because the way I the way I'd learned um, in my postgrad was like you could never have a jump cut. So a jump cut where someone is uh, talking and then suddenly you can see where the edit is. And they're now in a different space that like we always learned to have cutaways or B-roll, which literally wallpapered over that crack. So in my training, if I had ever done a jump cut, I'd have been marked down. So it it wasn't a case of thinking about extra production value. It was just doing something that I was trained to do. So actually, when I started, I actually scaled back a lot of the production because I, um, I thought it would be almost too much coming in with all the bells and whistles. And. Um, And I I don't think, I I don't regret having done that, but now it's kind of, as I said, you know, just going back to the training that I had. Um, And also like, I make a real point of like spending time to research things and to have a real like understanding of where that video is going. Like it needs to be a story. So it needs to have the start, the middle and the end. And I think a lot of people just start filming and they go like, um, uh, uh, I've and definitely it's like, seen those an, videos. Yeah, I've also done a like, couple myself. I know I've I have, I've seen them, yeah, and I have done subscribe. No, um, not at all. I just I think it's 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 more comfortable for me to know exactly where I'm going with something. Also, like I'm a big believer in creating content which has a key takeaway. So, like every piece of content I create, I need to be saying something. Like, is it is it something that someone's learned? Is it like a how-to, or is it like I just think even it's just like one nugget of like interest because I think also, you know, in the space that we work in, there's, there's like a split in the whole influencer and I'm doing influencer on a podcast with, uh, with like speech quotation marks, um, air, air marks, air quotes, (laughs) air quotes. There we go. I'm air quoting, which is really great to do on a podcast. Um, but like the the whole influencer space is, is split in that you've got, like influencer models who are gorgeous creatures who can hold up a product and sell it or you've got people who could be journalists or content creators that just so happen to have a digital platform so there's there's quite a split but again there's like there's there's room for everyone here
2: yeah i you know speaking of production quality i mean some of your series like the um the street style series that's like that's a major production. You know, you have multiple cameras and, and you're out on the street traveling to places. So when you do that, like say you have the idea for that, right? And then you do one and you see how it performs. You've obviously done a lot of them and and, and they, they are performing well. But how much do the numbers influence like whether or not you continue a series like that?
1: It's tricky because, I mean, I, so I have a, I've got people that I work with. Beck, who is sat behind me uh, doing some, some research at the moment into stuff we're working on i've got adam who um is a videographer that i work with two days a week and his business partners have been to scale things up but we we definitely work as a team in kind of coming up with ideas and although i'm essentially like a creative director and a producer we're all kind of firing at things and, and putting it in but um in terms of like how much of the numbers affect it's it's tricky because a lot of the like I find like at the moment, I think my numbers have kind of like flatlined a bit. I, I see that as the sort of the lifespan of a channel. And that's why I've moved into this new space. We've got new things which we're working on. And I think it keeps you fresh. So I think anyone that's nailing the numbers, I'd be this. I mean, there's a few big guys at the moment who I, I guarantee will burn out. Um, because when you have those numbers and they're instant, they're fickle. And it's, they're not based upon anything but popularity. So if you base content on one person, it's dangerous because as soon as that person decides, do you know what, I want to settle down and have a family or I actually just can't be fucked doing the same old stuff, then that is dead. But I think what we're trying to do here is have more of a destination for men and that could evolve to have other guys on here to look at you know, different skin types for different races or different hair or even length of hair or sort of styling for different shapes and sizes. Um but I'm kind of jumping here. You did ask about the numbers. Um, we, you know, brand battle is one that does really well on SEO. So search engine optimization. So a lot of the content I create, be it a how-to or a product, might get an overnight sort of figure of something really quite low, but come back in six months and that's growing. So it's, it's often very difficult to see how something will perform but again, you'll that's why that's why again I'm not as bothered now about numbers as I was, because a lot of the big guys and girls will get numbers whatever it is because because people are there for them. And that's that's totally fine. But I do see some of the older stuff I'm creating is still bubbling away and it's still the stuff that's doing well. Um but like street styles I love doing. And I'm that's the stuff I really enjoy doing, which is, you know, unscripted. You're out and about, you're really interacting with people, you're talking to people, you're hearing their stories. And I like that's something that I really get a buzz from. And the numbers can be good. Like the last, the London one did really well. The Paris one has done fine. Um, but then you get that halo effect. So if you have one piece of content that does well, it kind of scatters out. So you've got other people that come in based on those. So as a series, as a result of the London one doing well at Christmas, they've all boosted. Um, but it's just it's also like people sometimes forget that this is also a business and I, I can't afford to be like, Oh, do you know what? I'm going to go to LA and just shoot like a street style for four days. And Oh, maybe I'll do New York again. It's like, I can't afford to do that. You have to, you have to make it work financially. And you've also got to be earning money. So it'd be very easy to say yes to every single like face scrub and spin brush and the other cack that people actually don't buy. And just to like pedal that crap out in every single video. And good on you if you can do that. I don't know if you can sleep at night, but you have to make things work. So I think it's about like stepping back, looking at the numbers, looking at the financial stuff, working out what like joy that gives me and also what it gives the audience. Um, And actually, sometimes I do find that I have to do, I have to have these moments of doing content that feels right for me. Like I did a Movember series and we spoke about men's mental health. Um, and we also looked at health and we had a guy who was on talking about his experience with mental health and this was the guy that tried to take his own life and he spoke really openly about that and that wasn't like sexy content so a lot of guys just didn't watch it but for me that was something I had to do because I'm interested in it and I also feel like I have a responsibility to to really surface stuff like this Um, so yeah numbers have some have some impact but not a huge amount
0: and and what was the process for you around building up a team like i've I've definitely seen the people you have around you that kind of help with the stuff but where what was your thing of going from like solo guy making a youtube channel into having people to help out Mm -hmm. with different things
1: yeah so i've I've always been used to to working in a team um like when i worked in tv we would have we'd have teams of people working on stuff and we'd all have our own responsibilities, but you still had this, this way of like bouncing ideas off each other and like socializing too. And then having my own channel, I got to a point that I thought I can't grow this if I don't invest in, in what I'm doing and invest in other people. Um, And it's just really nice to be able to have other people, like like like-minded people around me who we can, you know, we can talk about ideas and we can, it's kind of a more of a team thing. Um, and like I, it's, it goes back to the whole model of this, which is like, I really don't believe in the, in the I of like, Oh, me as man from self. I, like, I always say we, because it's like, I've got a manager who I work with in commercial stuff. She's involved in this. Um, you know, Beck again, who's here, who's writing and researching Adam, who's doing a lot of the, um, the production around this, like, I could strip it all back and go back to me doing this again and I could do it but I would I would literally have a break then because I wouldn't manage to do this and I'm also not like I'm not hiding this away I know a lot of guys and girls pretend that they're still doing it themselves and it's like that's not that's not cool really because you're you're selling a false sense of of actually what you're doing um but I, I just really enjoy having a team and it and it means that there still is pressure and there's pressure because you've got to do stuff and you've got to earn money because you're paying people. But there's less of a pressure in that. If I'm not sure about what to do, or I'm not sure about like one word in something, I can literally spin around and say, hi, what do you think on this? Whereas it's so lonely working by yourself. It's like, it's so tough. And when I was working from home, I just worked all the time, And then I would spin around, sit on my sofa behind me. And then I'd see my desk. and I was like, maybe I should just finish that. So you end up just being a total loser.
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's, it's hard to separate it when you're working in the same, you know, space as you're living and, and you're doing everything yourself. What, what, uh, one of the questions we get a lot is like, how do people like creative entrepreneurs know when to go full time? So like, did you have like a number in mind? Like when I have this much revenue I can I can kinda quit the day job or how did you know when to go all in?
1: You'll never know. Like I I think it's there's there's no formula to it. So you know, I did I thought about that and I was like, Oh, should I get to a hundred thousand before I jump? Or should I do this or should I just but there's there's not an answer. I think like I'm a real believer in just trusting my gut and just going with it. I also I'm not precious in that. I always thought I'll give it three months and if it works, then cool. If not, then I'll, I'll get a job somewhere else or I'll freelance or I'll work in a bar or I'll just get a job doing anything. And I, I don't think we'll, I mean, I'm like, I'm educated. I've got experience. So I'm in a, like quite a, I'm in a a good position. I know for a lot of guys out there and a lot of guys listening to this, it won't be as again, air quotes as easy. Um, but yeah, I just kind of like, I just decided I'll, I just have to do this. I just, the my main fear, it's not in failing, it's in regret. Um, and I would hate to think in five years time that, shit, like I'm still doing this crap job and great, I'm on a really amazing salary, but I haven't tried to do what I really wanted to do. And, and like, when I left TV, I was, I had a team, I was working with a team and I had people reporting into me and I was kind of moving up in a certain way that could take me like pretty high in what I was doing. The money was really good. I enjoyed it to a certain extent, but I didn't enjoy it enough to stay. Um, and I just was like, what's the point in doing this? Like you either try something and you give it a shot and it works or you don't, and that's not failure. That's actually, if anything, that's that's more of its success to see actually what you can can do. So basically, in answer to your question, you don't know. You just have to do it. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, you're not going to be stuck.
2: Yeah. 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 One, um, one, one another theme that, that kind of comes up when we're talking to especially like YouTube creators is the uh, negativity on on YouTube. It seems like kind of a unique place versus other social media where so- it just brings out the trolls somehow. Um, your channel seems pretty positive overall. And I think it's maybe your honesty leads to like mostly positive comments, but obviously you get, you get some trolls too. So any, any tips for dealing with that? I mean, do you respond? Do you just delete them?
1: Yeah, I respond to everything. I don't delete comments unless someone is the only time I delete comments is if someone is going for someone else in the comments, like I'm like, shut that shit down. This is not the space for it. I don't like anyone going at other people. Like, I'm a fully grown man. I've had abuse from enough people. Like, I just don't really care. So it, a lot of these people are really unhappy in themselves, and they're just like saddles. But um, it's it's any engagement is good engagement, isn't it? It bumps you up the algorithm of whatever we're trying to do at the moment. Um, so I just, like, I'll get back to people and just have a chat about why they're, why, why they're so hateful. Um but no, it's like generally, actually, when you reply to someone, they say, "Oh, I'm really sorry, I didn't think you'd see this, or I didn't think you would reply." It's not what I meant, and then they like DM you, and I'm like, "Come on, yeah. like chill out. At least like go with what you meant. Like it's cool. We've all got opinions, right. but uh, it's like my I my audience um, and the sort of community that we've got. Like, and I make a point of always saying, I hate when someone says my fans. No." You're not Beyonce, mate. Like, you're creating a couple of videos in your bedroom. Chill out. Like, it's an audience, and it's like an audience that's growing, and it's a community, and as I said before, you know, you see the same names, and it's great. It's like colleagues that you're working with. They give instant feedback. You know what's working. You know what's not working. And if someone's got an issue, then let them get on with it. Like, it's it's not damaging me that I know of. I'll probably have a breakdown in, like, five years' time, and I'll be like, <laughs> oh, my God, The comment Chris said five years ago is like, yeah, hanging over me. But no, it's uh, the whole troll thing is just like, do you.
2: How do you balance the uh, working on YouTube and building that community versus other social media platforms like Instagram? Or obviously you have a really nice website, um, which to me, it seems like at least for my audience, like the YouTube viewers aren't necessarily reading the website and vice versa. So how do you manage what to work on?
1: it's interesting because I like I often think what would I if I could only choose one platform what would it be and like I was actually talking the other day about this and I think I would pick the blog just because it's the freedom of having this full platform that can be customized and look in a certain way and be a real calling card for what you're trying to do whereas YouTube we are confined by a title a description a thumbnail you know it's like it's although your content can move in a certain way, you are still you still have to fall in line with what YouTube say. Um and actually we we relaunched the site in I want to say like November, um, and moved a lot of the focus from like me and me just pottering around in some suits and kind of moved it more onto product and about what the audience is interested in, um, and kind of brought in more reviews on there because. A lot of, I think, people come to me for this. I was about to do an air quote again. I stopped myself. Uh, for people coming to me about this whole, like, honest review, which is ridiculous that I had to call a review an honest review. But I did that as I was kind of being a bit cheeky and just being like, oh, it's an honest review. Because so many people are like, this is a review of do-do-do. And halfway in, they're like, and you can use my coupon code for 50% off. And I'm like, oh, come on. So I started doing, like, honest review because the point was, I'm not being paid for this. Like I'm just doing it. And um, but yeah, I've moved that onto onto the blog. And actually, the the stats of the blog uh, have gone right up. You know, we had hundred thousand page views last month. Um, in January, we had one hundred ten thousand. There's guys that are moving around the site. You know, it's male. It's eighty five percent male on the blog. People are buying stuff. People are talking about stuff. They're uploading their own reviews. So it's like I like I love seeing that. Like it's really exciting to see a platform which could exist like by itself growing um and then Instagram I just don't really get like I I struggle with still image like whenever I do a still image it's like when I froze earlier on Skype you'll see I just don't I don't give you one good frame whereas I can talk for years as I'm doing you're like yes you can (laughs) um so like I'm really comfortable with video so Uh, But I am doing more like Instagram TV, and I do a lot of stories, which you were talking about before, uh, when I'm just a bit of a hot mess, either on my way to becoming hungover or like hungover in my bed. So, um, yeah, it's tricky. Like Instagram, I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, I'm just kind of like feeling around and kind of enjoying it-ish. But my main things, yeah, are YouTube and the blog.
2: Yeah. Speaking of honest reviews, which – I actually love that series, and I think it is important to have some actual honest reviews out there. How do you decide which brands to partner with, and do you have any like guidelines for yourself? Like, I'll only do this this type of paid partnership.
1: Mm. Yeah, so like paid partnerships, um, I don't work with that many brands, um, and the brands I quite often the paid partnerships I have are brands I've pitched to. Um so less comes to me and I go to them. Um and a lot of those partnerships have come as a result of me having used those products for like years. Um like I've just been working with Bumble and Bumble, who like are an amazing hair care brand and a brand that I've I've liked for so long. Also the team at Bumble and Bumble at the little, bumble and bumble I get on really well, really well with um this is now like 542 my body's going to shut down I should be on to wine by now um so apologies if I'm like tripping over my my own tongue um so yeah it's 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 brands that I like um and brands that I think will bring value to what I'm doing and and that will bring value to the audience and it's not a case of only working with premium brands that sell products for 20 30 pounds it's about you know, working with brands that that fit. Um but I say no to so many things um because I'd be selling out. Like and some of the money that you can get offered for stuff is so silly. I'm like, that is someone's salary. And I just um I'm like, oh could I could I take that? Like could I just get a new pair of shoes? I mean a very expensive pair of shoes. But I'm like, no, because you're gonna burn out. And also I'm just I'm not that I'm not that vibe. Um when I did my postgrad in broadcast journalism, we got taught that the only people you serve is your audience. And it doesn't matter if someone's paying you, if if it's not right for the audience, it's it's not right. And actually there's been a couple of times where I've started a like a paid for relationship with a brand. And I should say every piece of thing, every piece of content that, that has paid for content, I say like I am working with this brand. You'll see it all around it. So I'm not hiding anything away. Um, but there was a couple of brands that had products and I was trying them and I thought these products are like the worst things I've ever used. Like this is literally pulling my hair out and this one is making my skin red raw. And I said to them, like, I can't work with you or I can post this review, but this review will be detrimental to your brand. And quite often we've been like, okay, bye-bye. And we've just all gone like, uh, like step back very slowly. Um, but yeah, the, like it's, it's. It's no secret that again this is a business you have to earn money but it's about aligning yourself with the correct brands.
2: Yeah. What will you post a you know I mean obviously you're critical in, in in your honest reviews sometimes but will will you post a just a negative review or negative content about a brand uh if you think it's warranted?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um it's funny because again the whole honest review thing it came off the back of um I did a review on a YouTube hair product and I didn't like the product. Um, I don't personally know the guy, but I know of him and he's very much in the same space. And um, I think it's amazing what they're doing as a brand and as a business. But I don't think people see the like the delineation between one person who's the face of a brand plus everyone else behind them who's who's creating this. So when I go into something and I'm talking about a branded product i'm not talking about bob or james i'm talking about the brand and an audience can take that very personally and um, and that's the power of what we do in that we have people who really trust us and want to support us but if someone's then saying something which isn't necessarily the most positive of things it's important to remember that you're not going at a person you're going at a brand. Um, so that was a negative review, um, but actually, that I got my most subscribers off that video. Mm. So it's kind of, and I think it was refreshing for someone to say, actually, no, this is not good. Actually, don't spend your money on this. So it's important because, you know, as men, we have, we've got more options than ever before about product, but a lot of these products are so similar. And a lot of products are white label, which essentially means that a brand says, yeah, I'll have that paste and um, I'll stick my crappy sticker on there and I will sell it for $15 or $20. Whereas the same brand could say, I'll take that crappy paste too. I'll change the smell and I'll stick that on and I'll sell it for $5. So it's important. And a lot of these guys too are, are young and they've got a limited budget. And I like, genuinely would feel awful to think that I am... I'm influencing someone to buy something which is going to stop them from doing something else like hanging out with their mates or going to university. It's a very expensive hair product. Um, but you know, it's like, it's important to always be upfront.
0: I think too, like for the most part, the audience can sniff out honesty from a mile away. It's like you see it in the comments on other channels. And then like, I've, I've seen it on your videos, Robin, I see it on Brock's and myself. It's like people are like, Oh, thank you for being real. It's like, that's, That's Mm. such a common thing. So that makes total sense that you get a lot of subscribers from, uh, from that negative video. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's weird though. And it's, and it's a shame that you've got to go to that extent and to say honest review because like we're all, I say we're all, we're all (laughs) trying to do something which is very like authentic and something which is very honest because that's the people we are. But, um, other people don't, and that's fair enough.
0: So you're in London. You're in a major city. Are you connected? Fiz- like, do you go out and meet other? Let's air quote influencers or like other people in the community? Or you pretty much uh, you pretty much keep to yourself.
1: I have an influencer crucifix, which keeps them all away from me. <laughs> Some garlic. Uh, yeah, I've got holy garlic. water.
2: I've got,
1: I've got holy water. I've got like i've got a wi-fi free zone around them um no it's like i've got i've got mates in the space um like some really close friends and like i see them and when i see them it's like it's phones away there's no instagram stories there's no like tweeting tweeting all right 2004 over here there's um (laughs) like there's there's nothing really showing my age here um yeah, we just like chill out and we'll like have a couple of drinks and just be a bit silly and just like chat about stuff. And it sometimes spills into work stuff. Um, But mainly no, Um, I go to events of brands that I really like, or I go to events of things that I'm excited about, or I go because I want to share it with the audience that I have, because again, I think it will bring value to them and the content I create. But um, I don't enjoy um, blogger events. And I feel that a lot of people are out for themselves, um, and they're trying to, like, almost get a a step up off you. And I'm like, you're barking up the wrong tree here. You're probably going to get nothing from me, Um, and I'm a real dick, so you don't want to be mates with me. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so... So no, I try not to go to too many things, but if it's a brand, again, that I like, quite often the stuff I go to, if, it, if it's an event, it's because of the PR, like, and some of them are like so much fun. Actually, it's, it's them that you can go a bit wild with. Um, a lot of like younger bloggers too are um, like so into how they're being perceived and it's you go to an event and everyone's like, like this with it. Again, I'm doing things which no one can see uh, for the <laughs> listeners robin is picking up a phone and he's pretending to be on instagram stories uh, there you go um so you get a lot of people who just like constantly on instagram and then they put their phone down and they're not talking to each other and i'm just like going around like topping drinks up i don't even work there but i'm like who wants a wine do you want a whiskey i'm just like we're out to like have a laugh and we're and we're given so many exciting opportunities and a lot of free alcohol so just like chill out Live your best life, yeah.
0: So through the PR people, is that the way you get to sit down with David Beckham? Because I can remember that one pretty distinctly too.
1: Oh yeah, my David Beckham interview. Well, it's funny because I dated David Beckham for five years, so um, <laughs> so that that's how we kind of got there. And one morning, I rolled over and I said, "David, let's get an interview here. Um, I'll probably get done by his lawyers. Um, I mean, it's let's, obviously let's take not this true. public, yeah." Yeah. let's take this public david i think we should take this public and um, you
2: heard you heard it here first on the buttoned up podcast
1: <laughs> there you go oh my god my channel will be shut down in seconds and um, but it could give me a boost so please do um yeah no the the back into being real here the uh this is now an honest review of my time with david beckham um I, yeah, the PR had, I had breakfast with the PR and she said, Oh, we've got an opportunity coming up with quite a big celebrity around a fragrance launch. And I was like, really like a celebrity fragrance, what is this going to be? Um, but talk to me, who is this? And she was like, Oh, it's David Beckham. And I was like, okay, yeah, uh, I'm interested. Like put my sausage down, put my coffee down. I was like, I'm, I'm here for this, but they had this opportunity, which was basically like, they were like, we're going to do a round table. So there's gonna be like five, five guys around a table and chat and I went a bit like I don't know what happened to me I went a bit hardball and I was like I want one-to-one I'm only doing a one-to-one interview like I don't I don't do group interviews I dated for uh,
2: five years he should agree to this I was like (laughs)
1: yeah we dated for five years I have got news (laughs) and stories on him yeah so I dropped David a text and I said make this no I am So basically, I just pulled together a pitch and I pulled together like a treatment. So basically, how the interview would look. I said how long we'd need. I called Adam, um, my videographer, and I was like, right, I want to make this happen. So I just like pulled together things, almost did like a mini reel of how it could look. um, And then just sent this and I was like, also, this is my audience. Please make this happen. And then she was like, okay, I think we might be able to do this. Um, And they were like, well, all the questions have to be signed off. You can only have one camera on David. You can't move the camera. You can't change the angles. They have to be approved. And then the camera's locked. Like, I was like, "Okay, yeah, that's fine. I can do that. So we did. But then on the day, like, he came in and he's, like, the nicest man. I mean, he was pretending that we didn't know each other, which was awkward for both of us. Um, But I get it. Um, And he actually had met him before that. I met him at a whiskey launch. So we are pretty close. Um, but yeah, he came in and his management came in and I said, Oh, just want to check. I know we're only allowed one camera, but it would be great to have a second camera. Just it will allow us to talk more about the fragrance. Um and the and his manager was just like, Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. So I was like, score. Um so yeah, that's that's how me and David became a thing.
0: So the lesson is even if there are guidelines, just just push them a little bit because if you wouldn't have pushed you would have been in a group interview and if you wouldn't have pushed you would have had one
1: camera that's great like there's there's always a way to do something it's just about like moving quickly and just like have a relationship with people and not that sort of relationship like don't get on your knees to get an interview but do like push as far as you possibly can
2: nice
1: i feel like you're i feel like this podcast could go like seriously x-rated i'm like Sorry guys. We're gonna to
2: have to mark this one. You know, like iTunes gives you the little like explicit. Yeah, we'll just have to put that little explicit. Said few,
1: I've said a few swear words. I'm sorry. It's just like it's just my vibe. It's just me being very real and authentic. That's what it is. This is
2: great. No, it's it's an honest interview. <laughs> well we 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 do have um we have a series of rapid fire questions uh, that of course you haven't prepared for. One or two word answers if you're down.
1: I'm always down.
2: All right. Here we go. Oxfords or brogues brokes.: Lifting or cardio?
1: Oh, cardio, cardio.
2: <laughs> cardio. Okay, loafers or sneakers?
1: Uh, uh, ooh. Sneakers.
2: For style, spring, summer, or fall, winter?
1: Uh, fall, winter.
2: Nice. Uh, morning or evening shower?
1: Oh, both. It depends who you're with.
2: <laughs> nice. Uh, jeans, chinos, or trousers?
1: Uh, cause uh, oh ah oh um jeans jeans
2: okay Uh favorite James Bond actor if you have one
1: you're judging me but um I'll go with Sean Connery just representing the Scots
2: nice uh notch lapels or peak lapels on your jacket
1: yeah um I'm gonna go peak
2: peak lapels okay and then for your suit if you only had one navy or charcoal
1: navy hundred percent navy yeah
2: okay. And then last question: If if you're trying to get pumped up for the day, what song are you listening to in the shower?
1: Oh, that's really really difficult. I'm probably too telling. Um, uh, I'm gonna have to open Spotify. What have I got? Hang on, bear with me, Um And the better is really question is: David,
0: that? a morning shower or evening shower guy?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh wow, <well, laughs> D- David. David likes to shower a lot, and that's all I can tell you. And probably maybe a Victoria, maybe a Victoria Beckham song, because David did like to listen to those. Justin mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Spice
0: World was my most watched
1: VHS when I was uh, a young boy. Spice World is very enjoyable. Yeah. What's your favorite scene? Uh, I, I always remember
0: <laughs> when they were on the bus, and like I was, oh, yeah. I thought the bus was the coolest thing. My dream, like growing up, was like I want to get a bus and put couches in it.
1: Yeah. I've got a quick, quick fire for you both. Who was your favorite spice girl?
0: Baby spice. Mm. Easy. I'm
2: going to go scary. Scary for sure.
1: I was actually having a, I'm now just name dropping. I was having a drink recently and I, um, my friend like suddenly like stopped listening to me, which is probably what you're both doing now. And his eyes were like over in the corner of the room. And I was like, who is, like, who's he looking at? And he was like, that scary spice in the corner, and I literally was like this. Like again, for everyone listening, Robin turns around very slowly and looks across to the corner of the room. Yeah, she was just sat there. Mm. There you go. That was my celeb spot for the evening.
2: Still looking great, I'm assuming.
1: She, do you know what? She actually did look really <laughs> good. I was expecting her to look a little tired. I'm going to say, um, but no, she looked amazing. Yeah,
2: nice. Well, you've navigated our rapid fire questions and, and even uh, put us through the rapid fire too, uh, which brings us toward toward the end of our interview. But um, just the just last question, like what, what are you really excited about in the next like six months for, for your channel and Man For Himself?
1: The next six months. Um, I'm excited about this space that I'm in. So I've moved into this much bigger space and we've got kind of like plans to... To, I'm going cryptic now, but plans to sort of grow things and pull in different types of content, um, and just kind of like evolve it. Like I'm just excited to keep on going, um, yeah, and to get people excited again, <laughs> um, and also maybe to to date David again, but I'm I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> Another celebrity. He's uh, he's he's
1: peaked. He's peaked. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You looking for up and comers? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If any celebrities cool. are listening, please do DM me.
2: D- David, David subscribes, so he's going to hear all of this.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll just <laughs> drop him a text, actually. I'll just let him, yeah. All right.
2: Well, very cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to check in um, in, a, in a few months and see where you're at, and I'll be looking forward to the new studio tour whenever that comes.
1: That is something I will have to do, yeah. I'll I'll pop that down in my content list.
2: Cool. yeah man, thanks for coming on the show. And if people want to find you, where should they go?
1: Um, so I hang out at a bar in Mayfair. Um, so come see me. Or if you want to keep it digital, then I am man from self at man for himself or youtube dot com forward slash manfromself or manfromself dot com.
2: Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been great.
0: Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of the Cavalier and Brock McGoff of Modest Man. And we will see you next week.